0: Coming up on episode 226 of Wheel Bearings, we've got the Arcimoto Roadster, the Genesis G70, GM delivers Hummers and Bright Drop EVs, Rivian loses $1.2 billion, and we talk about the Hyundai Ioniq 5 and our first drive impressions, as well as an interview with Trevor Lai from Hyundai. All that and more coming up next. Did you know you can support Wheel Bearings directly? Head to patreon.com wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you, and exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com/wheelbearingsmedia. This is episode 226 of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam mcguall Sam of
1: Guidehouse Insights.
2: I am Nicole Wakeland, and we'll go with Forbes Wheels this week.
1: And I am Roberto Baldwin with Digital Trends. Robbie,
0: you've been driving something, or maybe maybe I should say riding something a little different this week.
1: I, ha- I have. So um, I have been riding the Arcimoto Roadster. Now, if you don't know who Arcimoto is, you might remember... If if you follow cars and, and especially EVs in any way, you might know the Arco FUV, the fun utility vehicle. Fun. It is it is a uh, an auto cycle essentially. It is it's two two wheels in the front, one in the back, and it has like this little bubble, almost well, not a bubble. It's a canopy. A canopy, yes, it has a canopy, and you sit down in it, and you sit in it like a car, but it has a, it has a handlebars like a motorcycle. And you ride it around, and the idea is it gets about 100 miles of range, and you use it to do take care of like little things around town. You can, you know, you can you can take care of your errands. Um, you might start seeing them in a lot of um, uh, touristy areas in San Francisco. I know that they now offer them up for people who want to ride around the city and do the tour of San Francisco. As an alternative um, to a Segway, as a, well, they have the Segway, and then they have those little weird little. Like little go kart things, the little side by side, yeah, the little yellow go yellow go karts that, that have a motor yeah. or are, are gas powered. And so now the, those people are, are still offering up the Arkhamoto FUV. So they have F-U-V. you know the FUV, it's F-U-V. F-U-V. <laughs> F-U-V. The F-U-V. F-U-V. on the Autobahn. Um, so you have they have that, that's sort of their main vehicle. Um, and you can do a bunch of things with it. You can like you can, you can make it you can make the back have a little bit more room. You can you know, they're, they're hoping to sell to municipalities as you know little vehicles to get around and transport. You know maybe uh, landscapers can use them, et cetera. Then they have this other thing called the Arcomoto Roadster, which is essentially it's the same sort of platform, but it doesn't have the canopy. It doesn't. Have, it looks more like one of those three-wheeled motorcycles that you see riding around,
0: like the um, the Can-Am Spider, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, those things, um, which for a long time I was always just like, eh, about, but uh, at the same time, like, you know what, if you want to enjoy the freedom of a motorcycle without, like, concern of tipping over, good. <laughs> because it's nice, you know, you know, it's it, the freedom of a motorcycle is great because you don't have anything around you. You see the world, but you also don't want to tip over. <laughs> <laughs> Tipping over is bad. Motorcycles are very heavy, so they have so they have this Arcimoto Roadster. It's essentially that. It's an EV, and I have been riding around. And there's a bunch of little caveats I have to add here about about how much I how I why I like it or. or Reasons why maybe you should or shouldn't get it, but I actually really like this thing <laughs> because initially they're like, "Hey, do you want this?" and I'm like, "Oh yeah, sure, we'll take this."
2: Did and you have it for like a whole week to drive around? I still have it. It's in the it's in the driveway. So you're just like tootling around town in this thing. I just was town looking at this little thing. Their video, is so cute. They have like a little gang of them going down the street. I want to yeah. get one and like drive. I want to be a gang in the little yeah. car. Those are cool. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I like these.
1: Hassling shopkeepers. Right, like we're
2: the really toned down version of a motorcycle gang. We're coming yeah. at you with our a little arkamoto we like instead
1: of, like instead of like uh leather jackets we have like members only jackets
2: oh perfect absolutely <laughs> the bicycle soft hummus. kitten the bicycle soft, we have to wear bicycle helmets for sorry. safety the,
1: yes with like our, our we're like the soft kittens mc the soft kitten motorcycle <laughs> <laughs> club That's of, like, so, wait, let, let me ask a question what kind
0: of license do you have to have to use either this or the, the original FUV?
1: Do you need a motorcycle license, You car license? No, or you, you need a car license. So okay. that's the bare minimum. In some states, including, I believe, California, you don't need a motorcycle license. Well, it really because is it's more car-like because it won't yeah, tip. So it's, a, I mean, it's, it's more car-like. Right? But I, anything that you ride, you do have to wear a helmet. But, and again, that's always from state to state because Las Vegas, Hawaii, they, they don't have motorcycle helmets.
2: No laws. helmet law here. Feel oh, free to bonk your yeah, noggin yeah, on the road. And bonk your noggin. Yeah,
1: in states like that. You know, we yeah. you know just go around bonking your head on the ground. Wear, <laughs> wear a helmet, please. Like, please wear. A, this
2: I, is me I, being sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> As
1: someone who spent decades not wearing a helmet, I'm a huge advocate of helmets.
0: <laughs> well, Michigan repealed its helmet law about four years ago, and we've oh uh, really? Not, amazingly enough, we've had a huge spike in. Uh, and in serious injuries to motorcycle riders. I
2: don't stuff. believe you, Sam. The data lies. Uh, I
1: <laughs> oh, the idea of... Uh, it's I just really keep coincidental.
2: I We've never about... had one here, I don't think, in New Hampshire, and people come screaming down our main road, like our highway, and they literally come over from Massachusetts, pull over, which is super safe on the highway, take their helmets off, put them on the back of their bike, and zoom back on the highway going 65, 70 miles an hour.
1: That, that is... That's dedication
2: mm, It freaks me out Every time Like I, like, on, Wear your ch- helmet But also Could we not At least pull over Not on the side Of the highway Which is super dangerous Like you should not do Unless you need to You don't need to Go to the next exit Unless you have Good. a flat
1: tire You have to fix
0: right. right now.
2: Like do not just pull It's a uh, danger zone a- Right there
1: there's so. always those 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 uh, police videos of like the officer giving someone a ticket and also the yes! car just comes barreling into it and they all it's always like a near miss or something yeah that's what I, don't, don't don't pull over on the freeway unless you absolutely We we you.
2: actually had someone it was a child who was Cuz you never
1: know when a Tesla's going to run into you. someone. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> those rogue Teslas man.
1: Rogue Teslas.
2: So um
1: what, what are we talking about oh, yeah. the roadster?
2: Totally gone down. Woo!
1: <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about the motorcycle club. So I'm talking about the little motorcycle thing. So it has um, a, a top speed of 75 miles. an hour. Oh, anyway, I need to go back to my whole, if you ride anything that's even remotely like a motorcycle, I really recommend you take a motorcycle safety class and you get a motorcycle license. The motorcycle safety class will help you and make you a better driver. And, and the uh, motorcycle license will mean that, you know, when you, if you do happen to have one of these and you go into a state where it does say, hey, by the way, you need to have a license and you don't, they're not going to, like, hassle you and take your, 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 little, your little auto, well, I don't even know what it is, motorcycle thing. Uh, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anywho
2: Anyway.
1: It has a uh, top speed of 75 miles an hour. It has, it, it's an EV, obviously, and it has EV torque, like, all through the the, uh, the power band. Like, ever, like, I'm doing 50, I pull it, right, you get some EV torque. You're doing 20, right, you get some EV torque. Off the line, there's not a lot of EV torque. I, you know, I think they set the controller just so people wouldn't fly off of the damn thing. Um, <laughs> it has a range of 102 miles in the city. Um, and then that, re- if you're doing 70 miles an hour everywhere, um, that just drops down to 32, which happens with a lot of uh, electric motorcycles, is if you're on the freeway, the range drops precariously because you are a giant board blocking the wind. As a human on a motorcycle, the motorcycle would be fine. Your find?
0: body acts like a parachute.
1: Yes, you are essentially a parachute just dragging, just destroying the range of your uh, your, your electric motorcycle. Um, it is three wheels. It doesn't have power steering, but I do believe they're working on that. So it is difficult to sort of turn at at low speeds, because you're trying to turn two wheels with uh, you know handlebars, um, it has a very low center of gravity. It's, it's and so when it goes around corners, it's not going to tip over, but you may slide off. <laughs> so you really you kind of have to lean in and brace yourself if you're trying to go fast. Um, and then there's the if you're a motorcycle rider, you know when you hit a bump, the the action is you move up and down. The bike moves up and down as it hits a bump. Two two wheels. They're, they're, they're running you know in the same direction with this there's two wheels in front but they're on the side so in addition to the up and down you have a side to side movement which takes a little bit to get used to um, if you're used to riding again motorcycles if you ride quads you're probably you know, you're probably you'll be fine with this it's a, it's a little bit you know with, uh, with with rough roads having said all of that sort of saying well it's kind of weird to ride um, It, you know, it's, if you go 70 miles an hour, you'll get like 32 miles of range. Once you sort of get past the idea, like, oh, I got to take this on the back road and do all these corners and all this stuff, which I did initially. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of fun. It's way more fun to just cruise around town. Just cruising around, doing things like picking, going to the store. It's got all these little storage spaces. It's 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 got this little like cargo area in the back that you can put like a top box on or whatever. It's essentially like a cargo. Uh, what what I say in our video for Engadget, it's a cargo bike for people who don't want to pedal. It's for lazy people like <laughs> me. <laughs> if you're incredibly lazy and you just want to cruise around town, <laughs> you can get the Arkhamoto Roadster. Um, it's also very 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 expensive for what it is but How you have much to rem- is it? okay uh, uh, oh God. uh yeah exactly <laughs> i think what? i think sam it is 23 it starts at $23,900 which oh. is so okay so all the sort of these are the reasons why it costs so much a it's a new company they have you know they've essentially built a new vehicle so you don't have the economies of scale you don't have this idea that you can say well we're building, you know, 100,000 of them. Now we can sell them for 15,000. They don't have that yet. Um, I have talked to them, and they said they, they really do want to, want to bring the price down, but, you know, they have to sell more. And so, uh, like I was saying with the fleet sales, I, I do believe they're, they're probably selling these into fleets as well. So uh, resort towns, places of the beach. Miami sounds like a place that would probably have these. Uh, Hawaii. Um, Places and you know, uh, you're probably going to start seeing these in addition to the FUVs and other little fun vehicles you could rent. So the more of these that they're sold within fleets, the more likely the price is going to come down. And so right now, to me, it's really for like first adopters, people who are just like, well, I got a lot of money and I'm going to get this because it's goofy yeah, yeah, yeah. and fun or fleet sales. If you're someone who's just like, oh, I kind of want something to kind of cruise around. It's a tough pill to swallow that, that, that price. Um, that said, it is really it is it is fun. Um, you can only get it though in California, Oregon, Washington, Nevada, Arizona, and Florida. Again, places worth you know beach towns and stuff. I'm sure if someone from Hawaii called them and said, "Hey, we want to buy a hundred of them," they'd be more than happy to sell. <laughs> You'd them be to like, them. sure. Yeah, yeah. So you know, they're 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 a relatively new company. They've been working on their FUV for years. I wrote it at CES in 2017, I think, maybe 2018. I don't know, it's, years ago I rode their FUV or drove. I don't I don't yeah. <laughs> and um and you know, if you're looking for these fun, weird uh things, uh this this is definitely it. Um it has heated seats, it has heated hand grips, which is great because it's been like forty five and I've been riding this thing around and they're like the coldest week of the year here in the Bay Area. Um <clears throat> Regenerative braking, all the things that you sort of expect from a from a um an ev so overall i like it ex- but there are the caveats that it's very expensive it's kind of weird to ride when you first start it and uh, uh yeah that's yeah so uh, Arkhamoto roadster please have, send me your questions have you ridden the uh,
0: the can-am spider and if so you know how how, how would you compare this to that
1: I have not ridden the Can-Am Spider. I kind of wish... I'm riding this thing around. I'm like, damn it! I wish I had ridden the Can-Am spider. They have not reached out to me, um, so I've never actually uh, ridden their uh, their Mortar trike thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, because because I'm
0: you know I'm looking at the the Can-Am website right now as well, and those things aren't cheap either. You know, they have they have one you know they uh, the the base version they call the Riker that starts at nine grand, but you know there's the, the spider f3 that you know is $18, 000, and the uh, the spider RT is you know twenty four thousand dollars so you know it looks like you know all these things are, are fairly
1: pricey they yeah you have to I mean because you have to add a whole other uh, and it's a obviously a lot lot more dimension to it yeah, a yeah it's a lot more complex than a motorcycle. so now you have to yeah. you, you have to the, the suspension is now, you know, you have to deal with two sets of, of, of wheels up front. And so it creates all this sort of complexity when you're, when you're building it versus a motorcycle where it's just like, okay, here's a frame, and now you need to be able to attach the suspension to here on the frame and the wheel, and the suspension in the back and the wheel. And this is where the motor goes, and this is the chain and or the the uh, belt that goes back to the motor, to turns the wheel, ta-da! <laughs> and that's, that's sort of the basics of a motorcycle. That's why they're, you know, they're... they're, they're Initially, they're sort of simple, and then all the auto or all the motorcycle makers sort of build upon that to make it their own. And you know, the technology that's in motorcycles now is is bonkers. Uh, you know, the what multi, uh, what Ducati and BMW are doing is just insane. The 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 amount of technology that you're getting in a motorcycle is is sort of crazy. Like, oh, I got, you know, you can get CarPlay on your motorcycle. You can, get, you know, you can you can adjust the you can adjust the suspension in order to you know, the multi strata. I mean it's in their name, but you can adjust the suspension so it's more of a, a, a cruiser or it's more of a sport bike. Um you can it actually moves up and down like the suspension. You can watch it on a motorcycle which, you know, 15 20 years ago would have been like, well, you just here's your bike. This is what Go it does. For it. Yeah. Figure it out. <laughs> All right.
2: I think the, the, I think this next one no. I, did you look at the show <clears throat> notes now that uh, i filled in the boxes? At so I don't know. Do we do we fight? I think it well, should you, be you. You go,
0: you go first, and then I will add my thoughts in there.
2: Okay. So um, Sam and I have the same car this week, <laughs> which we just realized when I put it popped it into the show notes just now. Um, we are both in the 2022 Genesis G70. Um, I am a big fan of Genesis, which I think I've said before. I still feel like this is one of the you get so much luxury car for not luxury car dollars. Like you just, you, it's hard to match up. You can't find the features in this that you will find in other like tr- luxury brands. You're gonna pay five, ten, fifteen, whatever thousand dollars more. So this is a the has a 3.3 liter turbo. It is super unbelievably fun to drive. There is 365 horsepower, 376 pound feet of torque, uh, eight speed automatic transmission. It has power and speeds. I mean, if you want to go, if you if you hammer the gas, you will get a strong reaction from this. Um, it's, but it also manages to do that because it's a luxury car. This isn't like some aggressive, super sporty, just like all about performance. Don't care about passenger comfort it does it without being harsh, like it's an aggressive acceleration, but it's nothing where you feel like this overly over harshness It's not overly loud. It's very smooth as it does this. Um, and once you get up to highway speeds, and you're just cruising, um, it is it's quiet, it's easy to handle. Uh, you know, you can have a a nice quiet conversation with whoever's in the back seat and not have to raise your voice just because of highway speeds. And even if it's pouring rain, or in the case of me yesterday, a giant snowstorm comes in and there's snow and ice. And yeah, I had a little winter vehicle testing in this. Uh, It's still, it's unbelievably quiet. And I have to say it handled beautifully. We have, we really got like craptastic weather yesterday. It was icy, it was snowy, it was slippery. I had no problems with this. It handled really, really well. And this is rear-wheel drive. This wasn't, you know, it's still, this handled unbelievably well in really bad weather, uh, which I thought was a plus because sometimes, you know... It, it, you have to get an all-wheel drive vehicle for that to happen. Sometimes in a rear-wheel drive, it actually is surprisingly good. And this was. Uh, this was the kind of weather that would surprise you when you think, oh yeah, no big deal. It's only an inch or two of snow in the ground, but actually it's an inch of snow, then ice, then freezing rain, then a little more snow, then a little more ice. So it's actually pretty slick. Um, and this did really well. So I like driving this. I like the power. I like that it's got plenty of power to move it along, but it doesn't it's not aggressive about it. It remembers that it's a luxury car. Um, And to that end, you have all the luxury fanciness inside. You've got, um, you know, power steering wheel, you've got um, leatherette door panels, everything, a dual zone automatic climate control. Everything looks and feels beautiful, uh, very comfortable. It feels and looks like a luxury car when you open the door. You don't have any doubt that like this is a luxury van. This isn't a Hyundai. This is a Genesis and you know, it when you open the door and you get all sorts of fancy safety stuff with this too, you've got, you know, rear cross traffic alert, lane keeping, lane following, blind spot, rear occupant alert. Um, so you get this, there's a lot of car here. Um, so for that and see, this is the thing. So for all of the, the stuff that makes this just a beautiful, well-equipped, comfortable luxury sedan, it is at that, it's at 42, one. Now they added stuff on to the one that I have. You get a sport package which adds um, some, like, like you get 19-inch sport wheels, you get ventilated front seats, a sunroof. They upgrade the speaker system to a 15-speaker Lexicon system. Um, you get some, you know, there's some dark chrome trims and stuff. That is a $4,300 package. And then there's an additional $4,000 package on mine that is a head-up display. You get Napa leather seating surfaces, so fancier leather, uh, microfiber suede headliner, Brembo brakes, uh, so you get extra bits and pieces. So mine as priced was $51,945. So it's again it's not like you're getting a $30,000 car here but for basically 52 grand you're getting a lot of car and that's what impresses me about this. It wants to be a luxury brand, it is. It wants to be a somewhat affordable one and it is. And that's, am- go for it. Say am- I'm-
0: Amazingly enough, mine was actually more affordable than yours despite um, the fact that, uh, big difference that I had, I had one with all wheel drive, mm-hmm. uh, unlike the, the rear drive one you had, okay. um, it was still the, the 3.3 3 liter twin turbo V6. Uh, so same 365 horsepower, uh, but I, it had all wheel drive, which although we didn't get snow yesterday, we did uh, get a bunch mm-hmm. of sleet and, and freezing rain overnight, uh, on, uh, the, on Friday night, I guess. Yeah. Friday night. Um, so when I went out to, <clears throat> to go out yesterday, you know it was all caked and caked in ice that had to scrape off uh but uh you know on the on the all wheel or on the all season tires that were on this it, it did surprisingly well especially with with the all wheel drive you know I didn't have you know the the napa leather or the heads up display things like that so this was the the not you know obviously not the base trim but just the standard three point three t all wheel drive version uh there's also uh, there was or is a 3.3T uh, launch edition, um, which I'm not sure if, if those are sold out or still, if they're still yeah. available. Uh, but it's listed on the website. Um, so the the base MSRP on this one is forty four thousand two hundred on the one I had, mm-hmm. and with delivery it came to forty five seven forty five. And you know at that price point, you know this is really a, a great value, <clears throat> especially when you compare it. You know, it probably it's its most direct competitor uh, for this car is going to be the BMW M340i uh, xDrive. Um, and, I mean, you can get the the M340i either rear or drive or all wheel drive. Both of them have uh, a three liter twin turbo uh, six cylinder inline six rather than a V6. Um, they have slightly more power, 382 horsepower, but the the M340i starts at 547 for rear-wheel drive and 567 an extra two grand for all-wheel drive. Uh, so you know that's like what 12, 11, 11 thousand yeah. dollars more than what what the one I had uh, for all you know, for um, for the BMW. And to be honest, I, I think I would probably take this over the BMW. Uh, you know, I you know I, I I like the the three series. It's it's good, <clears throat> but. Uh, you know, this is absolutely a better value. Uh, you get so much uh, for what you're getting, and it, you know, you know, as you said, it does feel like a luxury car. You know, there are there are some premium priced cars out there that don't feel nearly as luxurious as what you get from a Genesis. So, yep. you know, as as part of the the larger Hyundai Motor Group. A key component of you know all three brands, Hyundai, Kia, and Genesis, now, you know, has always been value. Uh, clearly, you know Genesis models, you know, the current lineup of Genesis models, are a significant step up from what you get from a Hyundai or Kia. But uh, you know you you can see you can see and feel that when you sit in the car, uh, the the seats are really comfortable. Um, one thing that you know, this year for 2022 models, they did get a mid-cycle update. So, got a new front fascia, uh, brought it, brought the design more in line with the rest of the current Genesis lineup. So, they've gone to the, 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 for the the headlamps, they've gone to the twin thin horizontal strips uh, for the projector beam headlamps. Uh, so, it matches what you get on the G80 and G90 and the gv GV80 and. Gv70, and similarly, the the grill has been revised. It's a slightly larger than before, but it's not it's not as it doesn't come across as obnoxious as the uh, the the big BMW grill. Uh, <laughs> Nothing it, does. It 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 does. It, it works better than the BMW grill. So uh, there's that. Um, the The back seat, uh, you know, in this is a little bit tight. You know, for where I position the the driver's seat, you know, for you know, I'm 5'11, uh, I get in the back. You know, my knees are touching the back the back of the front seat. It's not, it's not. I wouldn't call it cramped, but it's definitely uh, more snug than what you would get in a G80, which is you know, a, no no surprise. It shouldn't be surprised right. anybody. Um, but other than that, uh, you know, there's not really a whole lot to. Uh, to complain about, you know, the only option that was on mine was the, uh, the Adriatic blue paint, uh, which is 500 bucks. Um, and you know, uh, everything from Hyundai, Kia, Genesis, you know, tends to be very reliable, very well built. Uh, so I, I think if you're looking for a premium, you know, compact sports sedan, you know, this is a, a great choice. The one, the one other, uh, thing that that they did change this year as part of that mid-cycle update is they dropped the option of the manual transmission with the two-liter, the base two-liter turbo engine. Uh, you used to be able to get um, a two-liter um, rear-wheel drive. Actually, I can't remember if they offered it with all-wheel drive or not. But you could certainly get the two-liter turbo rear-wheel drive with a manual. Uh, that is no more. It's gone. Um, so uh, the, the starting price now, you know, so everything's got an eight-speed automatic. The starting price for the 2-liter rear drive is 37525 uh, which is you know, very, very reasonable. It's definitely less than you're going to pay for anything from Germany uh, in this class. Um, and, uh, and, of course, you know, because it's Hyundai Motor Group, uh, it does come with the sounds of nature in there. Uh, so you can you know, enjoy the sound of a, a Parisian cafe or crunching through the snow or walking through the woods uh, as you go for a drive.
2: Which should seal the deal about why you should buy it, that, that one feature absolutely. alone. Exactly. I, mean,
0: you know, I, think, I think from now on, anything that doesn't come with the sounds of nature should just automatically be ignored.
2: Cross it off your list. Like, yeah. don't even waste your time.
0: Exactly. Not, not even worth your consideration. <laughs> All right. So that's the Genesis G seventy. Um, last week, um, uh, before we, before Robbie and I recorded uh, on our own last week, uh, I think I mentioned that um, for the first time in the history of Wheel Bearings, all three current hosts were present in the same location at the same time.
2: And we, uh, didn't take a picture. <laughs> and we didn't take a picture. we were going to take
0: a picture,
1: <laughs> and but then, then they we forgot. They said, "Hey, it's time to eat," and then I looked around, and I, I, I dilly dallied, and so then I looked around, and what was gone. I'm like, "Oh, oh wait, I guess I better go find a chair." <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, so anyway, the reason why we were all together was we were in, in San Diego to drive the uh, another product of the Hyundai Motor Group, the new Ionic Five, the first of what is planned to be at least twenty three different vehicles between now and 2025 using um Hyundai's new EGMP which stands for electric um global modular platform. Uh this is the the new EV <laughs> architecture that uh <laughs> Kia is using on on all their upcoming EVs. Uh this is the first one out. Uh it will be followed in a month or so by the Kia EV6 in fact. Kia may even deliver a handful to customers this month uh, before, mm. before uh, New Year's Eve. But in general, they won't really be available till probably sometime later in January. Uh, and um, we all had a chance to drive it. Uh, what, you know, and we've, we've, got, we've got a number of questions. I put out a call for questions on the Ionic 5 uh, the other day. So we've got some questions about it. But what, what did the, the two of you think?
1: I really, really liked it. And I I, I try to temper my uh, expectations because I like the, the design of the vehicle a lot. When I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, this is the one. But then you're like, I, I, I think I talked about this with the RS6 Avant, where you're like, ooh, and then you're like, okay, what's going to happen when I get in this vehicle? Um, I got in, I was like, oh, this is really nice. It is. It really does sort of deliver on the promise of what Hyundai was showing off, which which, you know, again... PR marketing—they have a job to do, and that's to make whatever they're selling sound like it's the best vehicle that's ever been made since the you know the dawn of time. Um, and I'm not saying this is the best vehicle I've ever, been but it is very, very good. I really, as an EV, as a, as just a, a, a car, which I think is really important for a lot of people, is like oh, it's a good EV. It's more important that it's a good vehicle, you know, regardless of the uh, the powertrain. And I think that's that's really what this is. And I will talk for 30 minutes about it, so I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in agreement. It looked. The thing is, this this has very striking styling. It doesn't look like every other um, vehicle. Like they get, made it look distinct. It has this sort of this future forward kind of look to it. What do they call? I keep wanting to call it like they call it pixels. I guess the little rect the little squares that are part of the design that go all along the back of that. And it carries through, and that's like inside the car in places, and it's sort of like it's like a little bit on the steering wheel. Like there's not even a Hyundai logo on the steering wheel. It's like not there. You're like, if it's it's. It looks really cool. So you you have that, like, okay, this looks really neat. Is this going to drive Is really neat? Or are you going to get behind the wheel and be like, wah, wah, this is terrible? <laughs> no. Because it, it, you have it, You get all excited about how something looks. And then you sit down, and you're like, well, I, I don't care how cool this looks. This, this is awful. It was really great to drive. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, I thought. And the same thing that you said, Robbie, I felt like... It was honestly one of the first EVs that I drove, and it, I sort of forgot it was an EV. I was just driving a car, which is nice. Like, I, no, I it's a crossover.
0: Forget. It's not a car.
2: Oh, Sorry, crossover. <laughs> but you want to drive just a vehicle, a crossover. You don't want to say, like, oh, I have a really cool EV. You want to just at some point be driving a thing and forget, like, the engine, which engine. The fact that it's an EV should stop mattering at a certain point. It should just be a vehicle. And that's how I felt like this was. I I enjoyed the fact that it had this very future forward look, that it had just very roomy interior. But that driving it, I forgot. Yeah, like Robbie's like moving his elbows around. So much elbow room. There was elbow room that you sort of forgot that this was an EV. Suddenly it was just, you're just driving. And I think that's brilliant.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, this is something, you know, several years, you know, the last several years, you know, when I do presentations for clients and my, my role as an analyst, you know, one of the, the topics I would bring up regularly, uh, going back probably four or five years now was as, you know, as the EV sales continue to climb and you start moving past the era of, of, um, tax incentives for buying an EV and looks, it's looking today like that, that era is going to be coming much sooner than sooner some rather, rather would
2: than hoped.
0: later. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, one of the things, you know, as EVs go mainstream, they're going to have to compete on their own merits. Regardless, you know, pe- people are not going to be thinking, most people are not going to buy something just because it's an EV. They buy it because it meets their needs, you know, or their desires. Um, you know, which is maybe the way it looks, the way it performs, whatever capabilities it has. And, you know, this thing in, in most respects, you know, does exactly what, what consumers are going to expect of it. Uh, And I I agree with both of you. I like, I like the design. I I think in your, uh, in your gadget video, Robbie, you referred, you know, you talked about it having kind of the, the, the look and feel of a, of a nineties hot hatchback, you know, and in terms of its proportions, I think it definitely, definitely has that, you know, kind of that hatchback look, even though, you know, it's a little bit taller. I think one of the interesting things about this is it's actually bigger than it looks when you see it, especially when you see it in photos, uh, because the the proportions are very much like, you know, a 90s, you know, VW Golf or, or something like that. Um, but w- when you actually measure it, it's quite a bit larger than those vehicles. It, it's, it has the same, basically the same footprint as the Hyundai Tucson uh, crossover. So it's ex- it's like a tenth of an inch Different in overall length from the Tucson. It's a little bit wider than the Tucson, but it's about two in, the roof line is about two inches lower. So it's taller than those old hatchbacks, but sh- a little bit shorter than a, a typical, you know, compact crossover. Uh, so it's very, you know, similar size to the Tucson, RAV4, that sort of thing. A uh, couple inches shorter than a model Tesla Model Y or a Mustang Mach E. Uh, and, you know, but it, it still has that, you know, a little more upright seating position of a, of a crossover. Uh, and I, you know, I really enjoyed driving this thing. I I think, I think it's fantastic. Uh, you know, they're offering it with three, uh, three different powertrain configurations, uh, to start with, Uh, actually initially there would be, uh, two. So they're starting, uh, there's two different battery sizes. There's the, the 77.4 kilowatt hour battery. That's the extended range battery and a 55 kilowatt hour battery, which is the standard range. Uh, that's coming, I think next spring sometime or spring or summer. Uh, so you can get it with rear wheel drive and the standard range battery, rear wheel drive with the extended range battery or all wheel drive, uh, with the extended range battery and the the ex- rear drive extended range has a, um, EPA rating of 303 miles, uh, 220 for the, the standard range battery, uh, and 256 for the all wheel drive, which is what we all drove. That was the only one they had for us to drive, uh, which has, I think it's about 320 total horsepower um, between the two motors. Um, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, 320 yeah. horsepower. So, <clears throat> you know, it's not going to, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not going to challenge, you know, a Tesla Model Y performance, but it's plenty quick. Uh, you know, it's more than quick enough for, you know, what most of what anybody's going to need. You know, so it's going to be, you know, 0 to 60 is going to be somewhere around five seconds or so.
2: Since you brought up the, the Model Y, I have to interrupt you. So while we were out taking photos of this on some winding, twisting road, um, a guy who owned a Tesla Model Y stopped knew exactly what it was and was like oh my gosh I drove by he like drove by and mm-hmm. then like turned back around and came back he's like I drove by I was like that's a cool looking oh my gosh they have the ionic. turned back around I was like it's okay if I check it out talking to this guy he was so excited about this car and he said if this had been around when I bought my Tesla I would have bought this but I, I love how it looks I mm-hmm. like we opened the doors we let him see it you know he was really impressed he and his wife both they're like this looks so good this you know and the affordability factor they're like you know the pricing wasn't out at the Time that we talk to these guys, even, but they're like, "There's no way this is going to cost what my Tesla cost," you know. But it's still going to. He was all in. This Tesla guy was like, "I am all in for buying this when as soon as it's out," and he loved it. Like it was the funniest thing to see him just go buzzing by us, and all of a sudden, like, come back. To what it was, you know,
1: <laughs> pulling J turns on the middle of. Yeah,
2: exactly. Oh, wow. I'm like, I think that Tesla's <clears throat> interested in this car. <laughs>
1: We, oh, I had a couple of people who were like, oh, is this a concept car? I'm like, no, this is a production is car yeah. that you can actually buy as a person. And they're like, oh, it does have it?
2: the look of a concept, the style. It and like, if it you does. look at it, you think this can't be how it's really going to look when you get your hands on it. Yes. Yes, it, it does. Is. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, it it, it is. It, it is definitely a striking looking car. Uh, you know, much more so than you know than some of the other stuff that's out there. You know, especially I like, think you know one of the probably most direct comparisons would be to the VW ID. Four, and I like the, I like the way the ID. Four looks, but this is definitely more unique. Uh, you know, without without being you know over designed. I think mm-hmm. I think it's it's a nice balance.
1: They're, yeah, they're, they're finding that balance of sort of this uh, to me I called it a retro futuristic because it has those little pixel lights, which is very you know '80s. Um, But, you know, it does strike this really great balance of looking like the future and looking cool and looking different from anything else that's on the road right now while not just going, you know, uh, just going a little bit too far. Not becoming the Aztec, not becoming, you know, something that that looks like they went a little too – like they they got right up to the edge and they stopped. And they're like, this is where it's still good. If we keep going, it's going to become the Homer, you know, from from The Simpsons. So they got right to the edge. They stopped and they're like – (laughs) Ta-da.
2: Well, and then that's a try. And it does. It 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 manages to pull off looking different without looking so different that you're like, oh, something went wrong there. Like they say when there was this old fashioned thing where they said when you look in the mirror, you're supposed to look at one accessory and take it off. Like you shouldn't over over accessorize yourself. And I feel like the Hyundai guy's like, okay, we got it all done. And someone's like, okay, let's take off a couple bits. Now we have the perfect car. Like they didn't go too far they stopped at yeah. just the right point without like we can throw all these other things no no no, no. designers take that take sure. that take that now we have it looking just right and what they gave us was just right
1: it yeah it is it is unless something like really unless the the ev the id buzz comes out and it's affordable which i don't think it's going to be that affordable um this is probably right now the front runner for our next ev which is not for like two and a half years because you know we still have the lease on the kona um, but yeah, it, that's that's I'm like, like wow, this will
2: be it. I yeah. kind of
1: I want this. This this is a, I want this in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the, you know the pricing,
0: the uh, the SE standard range. That's the the base model that's coming probably middle of next year. Uh, that one will be priced at thirty nine thousand seven hundred uh, MSRP, and just I think a twelve twelve hundred dollar roughly uh, delivery charge. <clears throat> And then you know it goes up. They've got SE, SEL, and limited trims, like they do on most Hyundai's. Um, the top of the line uh, Ionic Five Limited All Wheel Drive will be fifty four thousand five hundred dollars, and you can. Those are the ones you can get right now. The SEL and and the Limited. I think you can also get the All Wheel Drive SE uh, as well. Um, and then you still have the the seventy five hundred dollar federal tax credit available on that. So this is. You know, there's some. You know, I think I think this is a reasonably good. Yeah, you know, it, it's definitely a good value compared to most of what else is out there, and I think that uh, you know, there, there's probably something here in this lineup that will that will fit most people's needs. You know, even <clears throat> even the rear-wheel drive uh, models with the extended range battery, you've got 225 horsepower. You know, I think that's that's plenty. Uh, you know, it's a little more power than what you've got in the Kona. And the you know the Kona is is great fun to drive, and you know this is rear wheel drive with the single motor, so you know it should be even better balanced than the Kona uh and you know you can you can get an s e extended range rear wheel drive from forty four thousand dollars so this is this is definitely i think something that should be on most people's radar, something to to look at. There's some interesting features that um Hyundai's incorporated into into this platform. Um, one is the fact that it's got an 800-volt architecture. So it's a most, most EVs, including Teslas, current Teslas, have a 400-volt architecture, um, which is you know, inherently going to limit how fast you can charge it, uh, among other things. This has an 800-volt architecture. The, it's the first more mainstream vehicle like that. The only other ones that do that right now are the Porsche Taycan, Audi e-tron GT, and the Lucid Air. Uh, and you know, so they're, they've adopted that. They're basically, Hyundai's basically trying to future-proof this platform, uh, which, and so that means that, you know, it can charge it up to 235 kilowatts. Uh, if you go to one of the, uh, 350 kilowatt chargers at electrify America or charge point, and, uh, uh, it'll go, it'll charge from 10% to 80% in 18 minutes, which is really, really fast. We, we did they did uh, charging demos, we did charging demos with this thing. And uh, you know, as soon as you plug it in, you know, fits it, you know, they they plugged one in that at ten percent battery charge and it immediately jumped right up to like two hundred and twenty five kilowatts and then slowly crept up from there up to about two uh, two thirty uh, at its peak. And uh, so, you know, it, it charges very quickly for you know, for most people's needs.
1: Yeah, it's it's yeah. The, the, I think the char People don't really think about the charging speeds. They think, well, it's range and you know this and that. But if you could charge like you know that that timing where like fifteen minutes or whatever, that's just a little bit longer, really, than your car. Just a, just a scooch, just a scooch right. longer than your car. Because I put the thing in the you know. I, put the car, put the, 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 I forget, sorry. You put the pump into your car, <laughs> the hose into the hole in your car, <laughs> and then you go inside, and, if you're, me, and you, if you're like me, you just wander around, try to figure out what sort of new flavors of Red Bull are out in the world, <laughs> look for some Fritos, <laughs> look for some, you know, some beef jerky, and I come back out, and it's probably about 10 minutes, you know, if it's just a little bit longer than that, okay, I'll stay inside a little bit longer. Or I'll sit in my car and listen to five minutes of a podcast or listen to exactly one song. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's really not that long. And these, you know, last night I had to go charge. Uh, I'm, I'm driving the Mini SE right now, which is also a really great car, but has very limited range. Um, I, I plugged it in because I wanted to get it up to 100 for a, for a range test and I walked over and I got some Hawaiian barbecue because <laughs> it's because it's in a big shopping center I'm like oh I'm going to get some Hawaiian barbecue <laughs> so that's, that's you know the sort of uh, well, someone told me that uh, when you're you're charging an EV while you're when you're fueling up a car that's what you're doing but when you're charging an EV you're usually doing something else that's sort of the, the deal um, so, yeah, so I, I went and got Hawaiian barbecue because I could just park it there, which, you know, I can't just park my car at the gas station and
2: walk away. <laughs> and walk away. I mean, be a you lot could, but it's not advisable. I could.
1: It could, but you, but, but you shouldn't.
2: You should not. Uh,
1: the uh,
0: Another interesting feature they have is uh, vehicle to load capability. So you can plug in an adapter, it goes into the charge port. And it gives you uh, an AC outlet <clears throat> with 1.9 up to 1.9 kilowatts of output, so you can you can hook up a, a power strip to that and run a whole bunch of stuff off of that. So you know if you're doing some glamping, you know you can have you can have have a bunch of power uh, available for your for your morning coffee or uh, you know to charge up your your laptop or whatever else you want to do. Uh, you know hook up your hook up your blow dryer to that. Um, <laughs> so uh so that you know that's a that's another and you know theoretically you could also you know um, recharge your friend's ev uh from that although it would be a fairly slow and tedious process to the, do that <laughs> it, it, it's like plug, could. it's like plugging in your ev into you know your standard household outlet for, for yeah that. so that's not particularly recommended but you can do it um and then um uh, you know, just just to prove that this isn't a complete love fest for the Ionic Five, uh, there are uh, there are a couple of minor flaws uh, in this. One one in particular that uh, uh, somebody else pointed out to me on the, the first night, you know, that somebody had driven it on the first wave and uh, was asking about this, and I realized, you know, with EVs in cold weather, you know, one of the things you definitely want to do if you can is take advantage of heated seats. Uh, because they take a lot less energy to heat up the seats and keep your, your backside warm than it does to keep the air in the cabin warm. And to most EVs, in fact, most cars, period, uh, there's usually de- dedicated switches for the heated seats, you know, usually somewhere on the center console or uh, you know, somewhere in the center stack. There's a button for, for each front seat to turn on the heaters. Not in this car. It's actually buried in the, um, in the touchscreen interface, and depending on what you're doing, it will take a minimum of at least two taps on the screen to get to the heated seats and, and turn them on, uh, which I thought was something of a strange oversight for an EV.
2: I That's, think it was annoying too. I hate it when you have to go into indif- into infotainment to find that. And I wonder if it was like some design thing, like because it makes things look cleaner because you don't have little little toggle switches to turn on your heated seats. But it was cold when we were driving this thing, yeah. and I I wanted the heated seats, and we're like so it did actually. We're like, where? Wait, oh wait, in here. Here we go.
1: <laughs> I, I'm looking at the the the, the dashboard right now, um, and I'm looking at the climate. The climate controls are not hidden in the 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 uh the display there's actually like a climate control has like little capacitive touch buttons um and but right underneath where the temperature is there is a space that you because you can you know there's zone temperatures there is a space between each temperature where you could totally put a button to turn on the heated seats so maybe that's it
2: it has to be that they just decided like aesthetically let's let's bury that button Everybody who buys this is going to live in California. It never gets cold here. Who cares? I don't know.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, that's a bummer. I'll, I don't think. Th- I'll, I'll also, I wish the seat went down further. But that's, that's just me with cars. Because you're lot. tall. I think that was the yeah. first
2: thing I said. Okay, so st- I walk up to Robbie at dinner at our little cocktail hour. And I'm like, hey, Robbie. And I'm like, oh, my God, you really are tall. I was like <laughs> looking up at a giant.
1: <laughs> hey, oh, God, I can't believe we talk to you on the phone every week
2: every week you're the giant i speak to every week oh my god <laughs>
0: oh. but uh, yeah no you're, you're right though they you know you do have some physical controls for things like volume and and to get to, to shortcuts to some of the various infotainment controls and and also the the climate controls. so that's good um <laughs> you know, we we have a, a few questions um that were <clears throat> related to the ionic five so um Let's see. Let's start off. Uh, Andrew Pappas asked, <clears throat> how's the handling? Uh, how do the seats do holding you in? Uh, and the interior seems more minivan than hatchback. Uh, so I think, you know, we've kind of addressed the handling. I think we, you know, we thought it was quite good. Uh, but, you know, any, any other thoughts you want to share on that?
2: He said, that, what did it say? The interior feels more minivan than hatchback?
1: Hatchback, yeah.
2: Think it felt like uh, a minivan
1: it's very yeah it's, it's it's comfortable it keeps you in your seats you don't you know it's nice there's just, there's just enough side bolsters you're not flying around um, like you are like say I don't know riding an a roadster um, <clears throat> <laughs> so yeah no I think it it's it's I think it holds you and I think the seats are and and I, the interior is very nice
2: I had a, a co-driver who was wonderful who was driving more aggressively for various reasons on purpose, taking the corners really hard and actually do stay remarkably in place. Cause that it was the kind of driving where if you, if you didn't have good bolstering, if you didn't have good seats, you'd be like, Oh, I'm, I'm smacking the center console. I'm smacking the door, <laughs> now the center console, now the door.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, the the, se- the seats are very supportive. I was, I was surprised at that. I was riding with, uh, with Carl Brower and uh, you know, they do uh, the seats, the front seats do an excellent job of holding you in place and they're, they're comfortable and supportive. Um, you know, it, you know having that that big battery down low in the chassis you know obviously helps the center of gravity helps keep body roll to a minimum i think you know overall body motions are, are well controlled it does you know it does oversteer a bit or understeer i should say a bit at the limit which which is fine i think for the vast majority of drivers you know it's, it's a very safe and stable um way to do it you know not not a huge amount of steering feedback but it's it's fine you know i think you will you will enjoy driving this thing you know we took it up we drove up from san diego up to julian which is up pie. in the, the mountains uh, yeah and both of you pie. got pie there was yeah. pie
2: <clears throat> that's my pro tip go to julian and get julian pies so yeah. good
0: um, all right, uh, and yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think it really feels much like a minivan. Um, it, it definitely feels more like a more like a hatchback. What about um, the flexibility of the cargo space? And uh, do the materials seem more upmarket? So I think we I think- addressed the second one. I think the materials are fine. You know, it's yeah. not. Yeah, it's not yeah. It doesn't feel as luxury
1: as the Genesis, but it's no. you know, it's it's fine. It doesn't feel cheap. It doesn't feel like it's yeah. just sort of a parts bin, you know. Here we threw some stuff feels, in here. It feels. I thought it was yeah.
2: nicer. Like I think it feels nicer than like an ID4. The ID4 feels a little mm-hmm. bit like. Eh,
1: yeah, little, it does it feels
2: feel nicer. Affordable, and I feel like and the th- Ionic Five feels much nicer than like than a, than an ID4.
0: And and the, the the infotainment system is never laggy. It, it feels. Oh yeah, very it just works. Yeah,
1: everything just worked the way it's supposed to. Good job. Yep. <laughs> yeah.
0: And there's 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 plenty of cargo space. I mean, the bu- the beautiful thing about a hatchback, you know, is you you have a nice large area. I think there's, like the official spec is 30 cubic feet of cargo space uh, behind the seats, uh, and about 66 with the rear seats folded down. Um, and then uh, Gupta Aj asked, uh, rear wheel drive. Um, so yeah, as I said, it's available rear wheel drive. That's the base configuration. We didn't have an opportunity to drive that. Just the front drive, although. Uh, or rather the all-wheel drive the all-wheel drive um, the front motor is smaller so it's rear torque biased so it does feel more rear drive than than traditional all-wheel drive uh, but yeah i thought i thought that handling is fine what about sound insulation and the road noise what did, what did you think about the road noise levels
2: was, I don't remember thinking it was it an was, issue.
1: Yeah, I don't think it was an issue. We did, uh, I did video with it, um, in-car video. and It didn't have to, like, yell over, like, you know, the road. And we were also, you know, we were on back roads. We weren't, you know, so so some of those can be very, you know, rough. You know, sometimes they have, you know, more gravel than, say, your your regular road on, uh, you know, in your neighborhood. Uh, but, for the, yeah, for the most part, I didn't have any, I, didn't, I don't. Uh, recollect or um, have any um, road issues or road noise issues that that, that either um, caught my attention or disrupted my my uh, my video recording. Okay. Same. Yeah. All right.
0: And then um, <clears throat> the charging curve. Um, I don't know how, how did how long did either of you watch the uh, the the
1: charging demo or at all. I, I didn't make I had to shoot video that day and I was with somebody else who was shooting video so I ended up not doing the charging demo okay. yeah, which is sort sure, of a
2: same. bummer
0: yeah. Yeah. So I was with we, someone
2: who was doing video and we just didn't have a chance to get that Yep.
1: Yeah. yeah I
0: I, yeah, I watched the uh, the first the first part of it you know just to see how it how quickly it ramped up the charging as I said it, it almost you know from ten percent it jumped up to like two hundred and twenty five kilowatts right away. And then it stays there pretty steadily. Um, after this, uh, I've got uh, an interview that I did with Trevor Lai, who's the uh, director of product planning for EVs at Hyundai, um, and we talk a little bit about that in there. But basically, you know, unlike the um, the Mach E, which at least in its initial form, when it got to eighty percent, it would basically step down from eighty kilowatts down to ten. Uh, at eighty percent, they've since changed that. They did an OTA update that changes that. But um, uh, Hyundai is ramping down more gradually once it gets past eighty percent. So it's not it's not that sudden step down. Uh, so it it will it'll keep charging. I think uh, full charge, uh, you know, up to one hundred percent takes about uh, thirty five or forty minutes, roughly, uh, which is quite a bit less than than most of the competitors. Yeah. Um, and then, you know as a family car relative to the competition um you know any any additional thoughts on that
1: i i well i mean uh, you have the i d four you have the Kona um you have the bolt, and if you're like the aggressive like rock and roll family, the maki uh I think it fits in there really well. I think it has enough space um for for families i don't know I don't have a family i know it has enough space for like dogs uh um, you know it has that that I feel like it probably has uh, especially because it doesn 't have that sort of curved back it 's more like abrupt so you get you actually get more of that space that cargo space that square footage because sometimes you 're like, oh, you have you know sixty square feet but like you know the 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 rear window is at like a thirty degree angle or <laughs> and so you're you're losing a lot of space to like unless you're putting a lot of triangles in the back of your car um it doesn't <laughs> you know you kind of lose some space it's less useful yeah yeah so i i you know i think as a as a family car four doors put some throw throw some people i got in the back took some photos so yeah no i think it was comfortable if you have a you know a small family and you <laughs> This is a great second car for a family? Hey, we're cruising. We're going to Costco or something.
2: I, I literally thought – it was actually funny because I was thinking about the family. I, I rode in the back of it for a chunk of time because uh, the person who's doing video, I was like I out of sight, like hiding in the, the passenger side rear <laughs> seat while like, you're he's all, doing his thing. I'm like, yeah, I'm like – Squeezed don't, don't over like, in a corner. Yeah, 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 right. So you're like hiding in the back of his video. But – so I'm in the ba- so like I'm sitting in the back of the car. He's driving in the front seats, pushed kind of far back because of how the camera's angled. And I thought, like, Good Lord, there's a surprising amount of space back here. Like th- so, and I remember thinking this would be great if you had kids, especially if you have kids. Like car seats are varying sizes, you know, for your family. You've got booster seats and like booster seats of the back that are pretty easy. But once you get into those like rear facing car seats and the toddler seats, those things are ginormous, and you could easily put two in here. And I was thinking about it; you could even put like the rear facing ones which are the ones that are they're tough because of how they angle yeah they're just super awkward I'm like you could legitimately put rear facing child seats in this and not feel like you're gonna have to scooch a little forward up front like it was surprisingly roomy that I I literally thought of those questions I was sitting back there so those are my thoughts there you go
0: yeah, as a point of reference, uh, Motional, which is the the joint venture company that Hyundai formed uh, a couple of years ago with Aptiv uh, supplier uh, to develop automated vehicles and robo taxis, um, they you know they operate in a, They've got a pilot program in um, Las Vegas uh, for robo taxis. They have selected the Ionic Five as the basis for their robo taxi platform going forward. Oh wow! So they're you know they're they're actually testing them in vegas now they've got them in in, uh, running around in vegas and a couple other places uh and also um starting uh early in the new year they're going to have some of them running in santa monica uh with uber eats doing deliveries doing automated deliveries but um you know they chose this car as their robo taxi platform and one of the one of the factors you want to uh, incorporate, you know, for a robo taxi, it's got to be easy to get in and out of the back seats because that's where passengers are mostly going to be sitting. It's in those in those back seats, so you know the back seats definitely, you know, big enough for for at least a couple of adults. You know, three um, three as, as long as they're not too uh, broad-shouldered, um, and uh, uh, you know, it, it's it's definitely, I think, a, a good family vehicle. You know, so I mean, for any of the the current leading crop of uh, compact crossovers, you know, like a RAV4, CRV, uh, Tucson, etc. cetera. If you find the backseat of that suitable, then this mm-hmm. is very comparable to that. Yep. You know, it, it's similar yeah. in size to what you'll get with any of those vehicles.
1: Which is weird because it looks so small in pictures. It it's, a, it's, an, it's an illusion. It's a, it's a trick.
0: Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's an optical illusion because they push those wheels way out to the corners. That's the, that's the other interesting thing. This thing is the same overall length as the RAV4 or as the Tucson, but the wheelbase is 10 inches longer. You know, so they really push those wheels out to the corners. So when you see it sitting there by itself without, without something else as a point of reference – it it does look smaller than it actually is. Yeah. Which is fine by me. I, I don't have a problem with it. It's that. like a TARDIS. Yeah.
2: It's a yeah. TARDIS. <laughs>
0: it's bigger on the inside. That'll... All right. Any last thoughts on the um, on the Ionic five?
2: None from me. You know what? I,
1: right. I didn't turn on the sounds of nature. So I, I did. Oh, come oh, you on. did. Okay. Yeah. All right. So at least we checked yeah. it. Make sure it's there. Yeah,
2: <laughs> it works so, as you know, for, it should, Sam. It, okay.
0: Exactly. So you know whatever residual sound does come through, you know, in the absence of a of an internal combustion powertrain, you can easily drown that out with you know the sounds of feet crunching through the snow or or that uh, Parisian cafe. So <laughs> not a problem at all. It, it so works good. just fine. <laughs> Oh, what one one other last thought on this one? Um, In terms of availability, they actually started they've started deliveries this past week uh, in California. Uh, Initially, it's going to be available in California and about twelve other states, which are either have a zero emission vehicle mandate or where EVs are already selling in significant numbers. Um, and then, over the course of twenty twenty two uh they want to ramp up and make it available pretty much nationwide so if you don't live in a Zev state, you may have to wait till the second half of the year to get one or go to California or Texas or Washington or somewhere else where they where they do have them and buy it there and then bring it back to wherever your home is but eventually you 'll be able to get one
2: one day yes. one
0: day. Fingers crossed. Assume, assuming the chip shortage doesn't continue on indefinitely.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. All I right. think it's going to it's gonna be tough to get these right now for the next year. Yeah. All right. Here's my interview with Trevor
0: Lai, Director of Product Planning for EVs at Hyundai North America. Um, so uh, we're here driving the, the new Ioniq 5. First of a, a new wave of dedicated Battery electric vehicles coming from Hyundai, uh, and, and also across the, the Hyundai Motor Group family of brands. Um, you've, uh, you've had an Ionic for what, six years now since the original one was, uh, launched. And that one was their Hyundai's first dedicated electrified vehicle. Now you're transitioning to battery electric only. What, what is, the, what, what is the strategy going forward with Ionic? You know, is this going to... I mean, you're going to have multiple models off of this. It's a sub-brand for electric yep. vehicles. Do you see it perhaps someday becoming its own separate brand, or is it going to stay part of the Hyundai family? How How, how do you see that working over, over the long haul?
3: Well, Sam, you've touched on a really good thing, right? You've touched on the history of, of the Ionic brand. So the versions of the uh, Ionic brand, you had the HEV, PHEV, and also the EV. Give consumers a choice of what powertrain suited their life. From that, uh, like you said, six years, we've had a lot of feedback from those customers to try and make a uh, even better product going forward. So what we have now first of the many on our eGMP platform is our IONIQ 5, right? Great range, great styling, great interior packaging, as you can see here as we're sitting in one. Um, it's one of those things where I think uh, it'll appeal to a lot of folks. Um, as we release more ionic vehicles, uh, I believe the company will be taking a look and seeing what, we, what direction we can go uh, with that. So um, it, that that piece still remains uh, quite a bit under study.
0: Okay, what um, you know, what for this first vehicle for the Ionic Five? Um, you know, what was you know what was the thinking? Why why this particular form factor? What would you know? What was uh, give me the, the background of how you. How, how the company landed with this particular car.
3: So what we wanted to do for Ionic 5 was the first piece, range we found was a very, very important piece to the success of a product, right? Uh, we, we found that out through, of course, Ionic Electric, but also looking at other uh, competitors in market. So we knew that that, num- that had to be uh, uh, a big piece um, right off the bat. Number two, we're always looking at um, you know, trying to commonize more platforms especially going forward, and if you're going to do that, and we also know the feature is electric. So if you have all those three pieces together, you really have to have a dedicated platform with which um, you can uh, build uh, Ionic 5 and, of course, you know, feature electric vehicles as well. You may have seen at Los Angeles Auto Show or at least heard about the Ionic 7 concept. Uh-huh. Uh, that's something that I'm working on as well, uh, an SUV, a larger, uh, larger SUV um, for, for the future. And so when you have all these pieces in place, um, you need to have something that can accommodate for uh, best optimized uh, platform for an EV. So you combine all those elements, um, needing dual motor, uh, primarily rear drive biased, uh, a large battery pack, all these things. Um, you have something very specialized. And the great thing is, like I said, keep it all coming, coming back to you, commonized platform, commonized platform. And the reason for that is, it's, it's not just a one-off. Some OEMs will just do a one-off. Well, that's a pretty expensive way to go about doing things. Um, do it right the first time at five, and then we'll see more in the future.
0: Yeah, um, interesting. You, you mentioned, you know, rear-wheel drive, uh, and this is uh, an interesting trend we've seen from some automakers, not all, uh, over the last uh, couple of years as they've started to launch uh, new EVs. You know, Hyundai has had, you know, Pretty much, I think almost all, all your vehicles since the, since Genesis was still part of the Hyundai brand have been front wheel drive based. Why? What was the, the thinking behind going to a rear wheel drive architecture for EGMP?
3: Well, there's a couple a couple of reasons that uh, we think a rear drive architecture uh, is going to work out pretty well. If um, uh, n- number one, we always want to touch on the efficiency piece of it, right? So you heard earlier in our presentation for the all wheel drive variant, um, it's very efficient because. When you don't need the all-wheel drive system, the entire front axle is disconnected. The wheels are disconnected from the motor, so you have less parasitic drag um, that way as well. Um, also, uh, because of the longer wheelbase, we feel that we have enough uh, um, weight uh, that we carry on the rear wheels to provide a better uh, ride quality uh, for the consumer. And, you know, through history, we know, you know, regardless of of propulsion type, um, a rear-drive platform is going to be, a rear-drive biased um, uh, powertrain is going to be uh, a better experience uh, for the consumer. The last piece, too, if we take a look at uh, front-wheel drive-based EVs, um, those wheels uh, are driven by a very high-torque motor. You know, particularly in the case of a uh, Kona Electric, for instance, 258 pound-feet of torque. And the tires we've chosen for that seem to be holding up pretty well. But if you look at other front-drive-based EVs uh, in a parking lot like we are uh, here today, um, you're going to see that a lot of uh, advanced tire wear. And having all the uh, torque and power sent to the front wheels, those wheels are also turning. Um, what happens is the, the edge of the tires get feathered. Huh. And feathering, of course... Uh, you know, both significantly
0: of re- reduces your, your handling capability and, and not
3: only that but for um, for NVH you got yeah. a lot of tire noise when you yep. have feathered tires. So, um, all those things together kind of led to, you know, where we are today.
0: Okay. Uh, as far as, you know, this particular vehicle goes, um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, some of the, the design choices that were made uh, you know, uh, I know one thing that's interesting, uh, you still have some physical controls. Uh, for things like getting to map, navigation, media, uh, you know, in addition to the two large screens. Uh, that's something that on the, the Tucson, which mm-hmm. is also, you know, relatively new, and, and the Santa Cruz, uh, you went away from those You went to a full capacitive touch interface. What, what was the thinking there uh, with keeping some physical controls in this particular uh,
3: vehicle? So what, we ha- what we're doing here with the IONI-5, right, the buttons that we see here in the, in the center stack, in conventional terms, it's not even really a stack anymore because uh-huh. it's so complex. Yeah. And this is actually really a, a styling element. You see it over here where it's solid, because uh-huh. it just continues all the way across. If you're going to have a solid piece here anyway, you might as well have some controls that are solid controls. We did hear from uh, some quite a bit of feedback, we need to at least retain uh, volume knobs. We've done that here uh, with the Ionic 5. The other piece of it, while we do have a very large screens, we have found uh, through our research that, particularly with BEV buyers, they're very well in touch with the current trends, current and future trends of technology. So they're already using touchscreen displays extensively um, in their lives. Not afraid of it. We have those elements here as well, uh, not only for these two screens, but also for the HVAC controls here as well.
0: Uh, I think one of the the really Interesting features that noticed in this car is this center console here, the armrest and the center console structure. Yes. Um, you know, there's a lot of cars where it, your armrest can maybe adjust forward and back a little bit, but this one, the entire console can slide forward and back. Uh, where did where that idea come from?
3: So the idea there was, um, anytime we we are building a concept for a new vehicle, and it doesn't matter if it's a if it's an ICE vehicle or an EV, as in this case. Um, we do a brainstorming session with our market research folks and also our, um, our, our planning teams that we have at the uh, Engineering Technical Center that we have there in Ann Arbor. And so we brainstorm about you know, great innovations that we can do and one of the things that we found through this skateboard design of this eGMP platform is you have a completely flat floor. You'll notice in the rear, there's no hump at all. Some of our competitors, they still have a hump for some reason or another. In this case, if you have a flat surface, you can do more things with it. So in this case, we decided we can slide the console fore and aft.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a it's a pretty cool idea. I think you know, um, it gives people a little more flexibility in how they use the vehicle. You know, depending on on you know you know their physical stature. Like you know, I know Jill Manello here would probably appreciate having the having the <laughs> console a little bit further forward. You know, uh, given her um, her height or yep. lack thereof. <laughs> <laughs> and for for listeners, I mean, you know, we, we joke about Jill, but that we love her. She's she's great. Um, so what uh, you know, what are some of the other things that you've done distinctly differently for this car that uh, you haven't done that you haven't done in the past? You know, whether they were enabled by the the EGMP platform or just in general, you know, things that you're going in a different direction for the Hyundai brand.
3: So, let's touch on two two things, right? So, let's jump back about maybe three years ago or so. We had unveiled that Hyundai 45 concept vehicle. Uh-huh. When that came out, people were like, whoa, that's the future of Hyundai. Oh, but that's just going to be a concept car. That's not going to be anything like that um, for production. Well, you look at the Ionic 5 now. It's pretty you close. A, you take a look at that concept, that's pretty darn close. Uh-huh. And so, having show car styling that can actually um, be produced, mass-produced, Efficiently uh, was one of the things I think. uh, Design direction um, is 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 awesome right now. The second piece that uh, that we're doing here is um, something that Ryan talked to you earlier about, right? V2L, what we call our onboard generator. If you have a big battery pack, anyway, people like plugging things in uh, to charge their devices through USB outlets. And of course, if you take a look at, for instance, uh, our Palisade or our Santa Fe, you know, you have a 110 outlet in the second row. Well, let's take that a step further. If you have a big battery pack, let's convert that to 115 volts, and you can run uh, up to almost almost 2 kilowatts, so 1.9 kilowatts of capacity for that system. And you can do it through the plug in the rear seats, or if you want with our optional uh, Hyundai accessory, you can do that from the charge port uh, from the exterior of the vehicle as well.
0: Yeah, you mentioned uh, voltage. Uh, yeah, this is the first um, really sort of, I would say, mainstream vehicle. That has adopted an 800 volt electrical architecture. Um, you know, most other EVs, including even Tesla, you know, are still at, at 400 volts. Um, you know, I think about the, the only other ones out there at 800 or more are, uh, the Porsche Taycan and, and the, the Lucid Air. Um, how, how was that decision made? I mean, there's obviously some incremental cost associated of with, uh, with going to an 800 volt system. Yeah. Uh, some of the components cost more. So, what drove the decision to use an 800-volt design for this platform for vehicles that presumably, at least some of them, you know, will be relatively affordable?
3: So there are two elements that I like to look at uh, with the 800-volt system. One, uh, we talked earlier about the the flexibility of the eGMP platform. So what that really represents is an investment into the future. 400 volts has been working great now, but what's going to be the next step, right? So 800-volt architecture allows us to do that why behind that is, again, coming back to customer research, one of the main barriers um, for uh, shoppers is uh, charge time. Um, what if um, you're not prepared, you have to, you know, drive a really long distance at the top of a hat? Sometimes, you know, life happens. You might have to do that. With a 800 volt architecture that we have in Ionic 5, you can do the super fast charging. What is it? From 10% to 80% in 18 minutes or so. That's a really, really um, uh, important piece for that peace of mind for the consumers, and the best messaging there is that it's standard across the board for all Ionic Five, as a matter of fact base trim or the top of the limited trim?
0: Yeah, it, it was interesting. Um, Ryan was mentioning earlier that, uh, particularly in Korea, you know, a lot of the, the buyers in Korea live in high-rises, live in apartments where you don't have access to dedicated off-street parking uh, like most in Ameri- or many in America do. Uh, and so they EV buyers there are going to be more reliant on DC fast charging. Um, and so Having that ability to charge, you know, that that quickly with an eight hundred volt system, uh, I think is is going to be crucially important, and you know, it's a it's a good benefit for everybody, you know, globally that gets access to these vehicles.
3: Right, and in that time, you're, you're looking at what from that ten to eighty percent. You're looking at about two hundred miles of range. And that's basically very similar to a top up you might have at a gas station. Uh
0: uh-huh. And not much more time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, in terms of charging, you know, um, from you know survey work that we've done at at Guidehouse at my at my employer, um, you know, one of the the big barriers we've seen to EV adoption is um, access to charging and and charging time. Um, one you know one of the challenges we have, you know, is you have a, a lot of different charge networks, um, you know, ChargePoint, EVGo, Electrify America, and, and others, and um, you know, in the past customers, you know drivers have had to juggle multiple accounts you know have different NFC tags or whatever you tap on the the, the uh, charger to mm-hmm. initiate your charge. Um, is Hyundai doing anything to make that process more seamless, more friction free for EV
3: drivers? So for that that piece of it, we understand that that's a, a very common uh, common complaint, right? especially those who've had BEVs for, for quite some time. We've seen that in the consumer le- electronics side of having all these different dongles to uh-huh. charge whatever device you have. And the best idea is, of course, to have a commonized standard. Um, that's something that uh, Ian mentioned earlier in our presentation. His side of the business is working on uh, solutions for that. Uh, I wish I had more information for you on that. Not my forte. Okay.
0: <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Um, let's see. Uh are there any other things that people should be thinking about, you know, with this? I think, you know, I think there, Hyundai t- so far hasn't gotten a huge amount of attention, uh, for its EV efforts, uh, you know, which I think is, is unfortunate because, you know, you've already had some really good EVs, you know, even though the, the original Ionic range was somewhat limited, it was very, very efficient. Uh, the, the Kona EV, you know, has great range, you know, at a relatively reasonable price and it's a lot of fun to drive. Um, and uh, and this one as well. Um, are 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 there any other things that people should be thinking of? You know, when it comes to Hyundai and EVs, and you know why they should consider Hyundai among the leaders in the EV space. Presuming you think you do believe that,
3: yeah, of course. The thing to to note, of course, for for Hyundai, we, we're known very well for America's best warranty. And if you're ever unsure about, well, how is this going to? It's fine now. Great uh-huh. new car. How's it going to be eight nine years down the line? It's not a problem. America's best warranty is that for a reason on Hyundai, it is backed by our legendary warranty that will warrant these parts for a very very long time. All right, Trevor Ly, thank you very much.
0: Thanks much, Sam. Always great to talk to you. Continuing on with uh, with EV deliveries, um, GM delivered uh, the first examples of two of its new EVs this past week. Um, they Apparently delivered uh, the first Hummers to customers, Hummer EVs. Uh, they didn't say how many. You know, so this might be like two, or it might be ten. We don't know. Uh, but some some customers, and and we also don't know if those customers are GM employees or non <laughs> non employees. They didn't say. Uh, but but there are apparently you know regular consumers somewhere that that have uh, Hummer EVs to drive now. Um, and they also delivered the first five Bright Drop EV600 delivery vans to FedEx Express uh, in Inglewood. So you may see these um, making your FedEx deliveries if you, if you live in the L.A. area um, starting in the next few weeks. Uh, and uh, uh, over, the, over the course of the next year, both of those will be ramping up uh, significantly in volumes and GM will be adding more and finally adding more EVs to its lineup uh, since you can't actually buy a new bolt right now, which was the only other EV that they had. Ooh.
1: I, I, you know, I, I, the bright drop, um, it's very interesting cause they, they sort of came, you know, bright drop is an E as a startup. it got bought up by or invested or whoever you want to say it. Anyway, they have, no, they, they actually have, developed it internally. Um, so they have the, the GM overlords. So, but you have all these startups that are making these sort of delivery vehicles, and I did an uh, article uh, a few months back, and um, I talked to FedEx, and they made a very good point. Whereas, if you're a big company or a small company or whoever, and you're looking to buy delivery vehicles, you kind of you're probably more than likely going to go with the company that's attached to a large. Uh, legacy automaker because that legacy automaker has service centers all over the country and that legacy automaker isn't going anywhere you know they're not they're not you know the whims of the market or the whims of you know they can they even though you know we have the 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 shortage and and the inability to to build things right now um if you're a uh, a factory that needs to build or a foundry needs to build chips are you going to build you know hundred thousand chips for GM or 5,000 chips for a startup you're gonna go with the big money first and then the startups are gonna kind of get pushed back so it's um, I think I, I think we're gonna see a lot of these bright drop things everywhere I think it's you know I think for, for auto make for, for big companies and small especially if you're a small company and you're buying an EV uh, delivery vehicle you don't want to buy like three of them and then have that company go out of business because now you've gone out of business. <laughs> So. Right,
0: and and that it's interesting you mentioned that from coming from FedEx because there was another article that was uh, published this week uh, on The Verge uh, from Sean O'Kane. Uh, he did a, a big long investigative piece on a, a startup called Change. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it anyway. It's, it's like Change with a J instead of a G. Oh, of course. Um, and, you know, they were partnered with a Chinese company to do, you know, a very similar kind of large electric delivery van. Uh, and they had a, a deal with FedEx. Uh, and I, I guess, I think they delivered about 20 of these things to FedEx over the last couple of years, you know, and it was supposed to be several hundred uh, that were supposed to be delivered and... and they were, you know, they were supposed to help FedEx with installation of uh, charging infrastructure at their depots, and, all, and they had all kinds of problems. And basically, you know, they went out of business and completely shut down last spring. But um, you know, FedEx is now suing them. They've got a couple other companies that are suing them uh, because you know they paid for for vans and stuff that they didn't get. Uh, so you're right. I think you know this is a, an area where you know, the legacy automakers are likely to have a significant advantage. And, you know, Ford is about to start deliveries of the e-transit, uh, their electric version of the transit, uh, similar to uh, the Bright Drop, not, not quite as big as the EV600. Uh, but, you know, I think the, you know, any, you know, for a business that relies on these vehicles to, to generate their revenue, you know, that knowing that the company is still going to be there five years from now, and is going to have parts and going to have, you know, service centers to take care of these vehicles. I think that's going to be really important for a lot of these companies. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I do like the fact that they, they deliver the Hummer right, right at the end of the, the year, which, you know, automakers do this all the time. I mean, Hyundai's done yeah. this. The Ionic five, they've delivered a few of those. I think they delivered one so far that I'm aware of, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, but they delivered it within 2021. And I remember when they delivered the first bolt, um, they They delivered it at the end of the year, but they also delivered it in Fremont, which is where Tesla was oh. building. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sort, of like, sort of like, you know, just just this just that P- old school P- auto maker
0: do that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, we delivered it we delivered three, I think it was two or three bolts in Fremont, California. And they don't say anything about Tesla in the press release. Yeah. Know
3: <laughs> just you know they're just driving
1: bit. by because it was before the Model three had come out. so they 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 beat the Model three to market. And yeah, so it's, 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 that's, that's always a fun, like, well, we're going to have it by the end of this year, which means sometimes they're going to have three of them delivered to three people, but on, you know, the last two weeks of December.
0: Yeah. That's uh, automakers often do that but
2: sort technically of thing. They did it,
1: but we did it technically. Yeah. We did it te- and that was, we're technically right, which is the best yeah. kind of right.
0: Well, well and <laughs> when Ford did the, the reveal of the, um, uh, the Mach-E, uh, in 2019, uh, in LA, they actually did it in Hawthorne at Hawthorne airport, um, which happens to sit right next to, um, a company called SpaceX. Uh, I can't remember who owned or who oh. runs that company, but, uh, some Twitter know. guy. Yeah. He, he, did, he does guy. spend a lot of time on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, and, and they used you know, the, the actual reveal event, they did it in the same hangar which a few days later was used for the reveal of the Cybertruck. You know, it's where, yeah. where Tesla does all their, all their, uh, <laughs> reveals. So, and, and they did, they did demo rides during the day, uh, you know, driving a- around the perimeter of the, the SpaceX headquarters. Yeah. So <laughs> never, nice. if he, if he was, you know, if Elon was there, you know, looking out the window, he would have seen these things driving around
1: circles around his building all day <laughs> long. So. He's probably just gotten his private plane and went somewhere else. He's like, ah, I don't need to be here for this. Yeah. I'm
2: out. Taking yeah. my plane, I'm leaving. <laughs> <All
1: right. laughs> Taking my private plane, I'm going home, wherever that may be at that point. <laughs> uh, uh,
0: I think I think it was still uh, Bel Air at that point is where most of, he had, I think he still owned five houses in Bel Air at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Only five. Um, <laughs> well, he's, yeah, I think he sold them all now because he moved to Texas, so he doesn't have to pay California income taxes. Uh, anyway, uh, another EV startup, um, Had their first uh, quarterly earnings report this week uh, with Rivian. Uh, You know they went public a couple of months ago, and at at an enormous valuation, and um, they reported their uh, their Q3 uh, earnings with a 1.2 billion dollar loss in Q3. Um, They finally uh, gave out some numbers on how many uh, trucks they have delivered, uh, which was uh, 386. R1Ts, uh, actually 380 uh, 384 R1Ts. There was also two R1Ss, the SUVs that they delivered uh, this past week.
2: They did. Uh, oh, I didn't even yeah. miss that. Okay.
0: Yeah, it was. They, they talked about it in their um, uh, in the analyst call afterwards. I wasn't listening in on it, but uh, the reports I listened to, uh, they they met uh, R.J. Scaringe, the CEO, mentioned that uh, yeah, we delivered the first two of the SUVs um, the this past week. Uh, just before the earnings call. And, uh, you know, so it's not, you know, it's a very slow ramp up. You know, they technically started production in September and they said, you know, that it was going to be a slow production ramp uh, while they finished getting things sorted out. Uh, And they're also um, apparently, from what I've been told, they are focusing more right now on production of the delivery vans for Amazon than they are on the R1s. Uh, You know, since Amazon invested four or five billion dollars into Rivian and ordered ten thousand of these vans, it's it's not surprising that you know they would. They don't don't want to end up like
1: they don't want to end up like change with a J.
2: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) avoid that. Yeah,
1: here's your here's your vans, Amazon.
0: So you'll you'll be seeing a lot more of those Rivian vans coming in the you know uh, making deliveries in your neighborhood in the in the coming year. I think their their target was to try and deliver ten thousand of those vans by the end of twenty twenty two, and and a few hundred of them by the end of uh, this year. Uh, They they also announced uh, that they were building a second factory in Georgia near Atlanta, uh, and they're investing five billion dollars in this factory. Um, it, do, you, do you think that, you know, it's you know, they, they, they also reported that they have 70,000 pre-orders for the R1T and the R1S, which is about a third of what Ford has pre-orders for the F-150 Lightning. Yeah. Do you think maybe it's a little premature to be spending $5 billion on a second factory?
1: So they have, okay, so right now their current factory, the, the capacity is 200,000. So if they're doing hundred thousand if they had to do ten thousand and then seventy thousand, um, they're still under two hundred thousand for their year if they you know, as they're ramping up for twenty twenty two production. It'll probably take them a year to finish that factory from now. So I guess they're they're very much being like, Well, we're gonna do it. We have the money, let's do it now.
2: They the big hopes for future numbers yeah, that are much hopes. higher than current numbers and so I've, they'll be ready.
1: I've sure. driven I've driven the R one T for uh thirty minutes off road and it is a very good truck. I'm mm, gonna ha- nice I'm
2: actually sure it's quite good.
1: I'm I'm having it delivered tomorrow. Um and I'll have it I I can talk about the next you know, the next pot like a like a proper like more than, you know, thirty minutes riding How, driving yeah, around in yeah. mud. Um but it I there are a lot of people who have who have been asking me about this vehicle for the last few years. More than the Cybertruck, more than the F one fifty Lightning, more than the Silverado that'll be uh, unveiled, and so I think they they are hoping that they can continue uh, getting the hype. I mean, they they beat the Cybertruck to market, and I think that's to them. I'm sure they're all like, "Yay!" throwing confetti in the air. Of course, they're not building anything else. Tesla has to build all these other vehicles, and other Tesla's hitting is hitting the the, the 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 issue that everyone else has when they're building vehicles. Like, we we, we want to make a new one. Oh man, where do we make that at?
0: Yeah. So I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, te- Tesla is gonna. Deliver, you know, probably somewhere north of 900,000 vehicles this year, uh, you know, which is, you know, getting into you know real automaker territory.
1: Yeah, so I think you know 600. If, if they have once they have both of these made, they'll have 600,000, you know, annual capacity of their vehicles, which is you know they still have to make the 100,000 for Amazon over the next however many years, and I'm, they're probably anticipating that once people see the Amazon vans on the road, they'll have other customers who'll want to buy these, and then and, and they you know they're hope, they're hoping that the hype machine keeps going and uh, yeah. we'll, we'll see but yeah five billion I mean if you're going to get that that shareholder that that investor money like you should do something with it I guess and if you're <laughs> if you're adding it to infrastructure if you're adding it to infrastructure for your for your company you might as well just go for it we'll see what happens
0: yeah and I think yeah you know, the in the the, the Q, in the the earnings report I think they said at the time, you know the end of September, they had about 5.5 5. 5 billion in cash on hand. And that was before they, that was before, or 5.2 billion. That was before they got the proceeds from their IPO, which is about $13 billion. Uh, so, you know, they were, they're on target, uh, you know, for the end of the year to have, you know, somewhere around $19 billion in cash on hand. So they've got the wow. cash. They don't have to, they don't have to borrow money, uh, in order to do this. Um, but, uh, you know, they're also, you know, right now, as long as they're not building very many vehicles, they're also burning cash at a fairly prodigious rate. They had you know, a yeah. negative cash flow of about almost one point two billion just in in Q three. And it'll probably Yikes. be close to that much uh for Q four at least.
1: So they spend five billion on the factory, they burn through one and a half billion per quarter, which is about you know two and a half. That's almost five billion. So they have ten billion, <laughs> <laughs> so they still have a few billion left over yeah. for next quarter, <laughs> for next year, for twenty twenty three. They're good. They're good. They'll be. They'll be. They're yeah. Fine. They'll be good they're to release fine. the end it's of next all good. year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're not having to borrow money, which Tesla had to do. You know, Tesla. Yeah. Had to, you know, they had to borrow a lot of money in order to do the things that they do. I think they're like, well, Tesla did it, but they borrowed money. We're doing it without borrowing money. Let's do this.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, to to Tesla's credit, they actually didn't really borrow very much money either. Um, They just kept going back and selling more stock, you know, and and (laughs) people kept buying it. So, oh yeah, um, they they actually have had surprisingly little debt, given you know how much money they lost over the last decade. Um, Yeah, that it was it was comparatively small. Um,
1: The the EV stock market is just bonkers to me. Like the 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 valuations of like some of these EV companies. And, I, and if, you know, if you have that valuation, you have the money, you, you should really use it. You know, At some point, someone's going to be like, you know what? <laughs> it's Maybe these aren't worth as much as we think they are. It's like the housing market. At some point, people are going to be like, oh, wait, wait. Toyota makes way more money and way <laughs> more cars than Tesla. And so does Ford and GM. Hold on. I think as yeah, as everything's sort of like... Fizzles out. That's when they're going to be like, "Oh, we should have used that money to buy a factory." Darn it! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Missed
2: the yeah, chance. Well,
0: and you yeah, know, I mean, even even though you know, Rivian, um, Rivian's stock price did drop after their earnings report. dropped about ten percent. It's Rivian is still worth, despite having delivered three hundred and eighty six <laughs> trucks in the quarter. <laughs> it's still worth more than Ford uh, in terms of its market cap. Three hundred eighty, 80 three billion dollar market wow. cap versus uh,
1: $79 billion for Ford. I think if we sneezed, like in the time of a sneeze, I think that's how many, that's, that's how long it takes Ford to make 386 F-150s. <laughs> yeah.
2: We've well, made a billion just since we've been recording this like, podcast. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, they, they,
0: they, they build they build about, uh, I mean, assuming they have enough chips, they build about 120 F-150s an hour across the two plants in Kansas City and, and Dearborn <sighs> where they build it. They build how much six, 100? 60 an hour from each plant.
2: Jesus 120
0: geez. an hour. Yeah. So that's 15 that's about minutes. Three, three, three hours of production for the F 150 is what uh, Rivian delivered in Q3. Three hours. Oh
2: my gosh, that's horrible.
1: <laughs> it was like everyone got up, they got to work. It's like between getting to work and lunchtime. That's a. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> up, up to the first break. Up to the first lunch break. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We're, all right. We're worth 15 billion. Let's
2: go. <laughs> Bam, we're done.
1: We're done. Uh, Okay.
0: Um, We've got a couple of other questions. um, And let's address those and then wrap it up for the week. Uh, Let's see. Andrew Pappas had another one. He had a question about how the chip shortage affects parts suppliers that don't need chips, like um, things like seats, glass, et cetera. Uh, How are are those companies um, affected by the reduction? Um, So, You know the the thing that I think a lot of people have come to realize with the chip shortage is you you get thousands of parts in a vehicle, and for most of those parts, if even one is missing, it becomes very hard to ship the truck or the you know vehicle. You basically have to have every single one of those parts. You know, automakers have been finding ways to leave a few features here and there out. You know, but for the most part, you know, they've had to either pause production or stockpile vehicles while they wait for the parts that they need. Um, so when they pause production, that means everybody else that's shipping parts for those or that's building, making parts for those vehicles. Um, they have to pause production as well because they don't want to be stockpiling those parts. So glass seats, you know, tires, brake pads, everything else that goes into a vehicle, those get paused as well. So there's a cascading effect, uh, throughout the economy.
1: Yeah, if you if you're like ham making something, if you don't use any chips at all in your production of your part, um you're like, "Hey, we're future, we're, we're 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 proof, you know, we're we're defended against this 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 uh, chip shortage." Nope, because
2: <laughs> No, you're not.
1: Car production is only as quick as the slowest supplier. Yep. Yeah, I think
0: it's 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 generally estimated that um for for the auto industry for every direct job at an automaker there's about seven other jobs that are directly impacted at suppliers and um, various other service providers. Uh, so there's a, there's a large cascading effect from this industry across our entire economy. All right. Uh, finally, from Sean Whitehurst, uh, we have, uh, hello, Wheelbearings team. Uh, perhaps you can answer a few puzzling car questions I have. Why is there no indicator light that your headlights are on? The only indicators are for parking lights or headlights, and then for high beams, uh, which with daytime running lights, uh, drivers may think they have headlights on in some situations. I've also been in well-lit cities at night and second-guessed if my headlights were on.
1: Oh, that's a that's an actual, yeah, no, that's a, that's a real thing. I've driven around, I used to drive around with my WRX, um, not realizing that I was just yeah. cruising, because it was like the first car that I had that had uh, just running lights on all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, wow, it's really dark. What's going on? I'm like, what's, ha- what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't have like an indicator that said like, oh, your headlights are on because it's nighttime. It was just everything was really dark. <laughs> and then I turn it, I'm like, oh, okay. And, and now we have, you know, a lot of cars have those auto. So it just turns on when the it's sun goes the down thing. and does its yeah. own thing. But yeah, I think there, would, there should be something. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, well a, a lot of cars actually do have separate indicators for headlights and um you know your parking lights um some don't some combine them into a single one so you don't know what's actually on <laughs> you don't know what's going on yeah, i
2: have but, driven but, with my parking lights on like you know, when it's a uh, brightly lit city and you think your lights are on and then all of a sudden you get to a dark spot or tell you like yeah it's really not well lit like you said oh crud my lights are on
0: yeah the <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, if you have a car that doesn't have a digital instrument cluster that still has you know traditional mechanical or electromechanical gauges with you know physical needles and stuff, one indicator that your lights are not on is if your instrument cluster is not lit up. Right. Uh, yeah, and I've I've had that. I've noticed that sometimes I'll I'll pull away, and you know then look down at the gauges and realize oh shit lights are off because because the cluster is dark. Um, now with a lot of modern vehicles that have do have a digital cluster. Those are going to be on anyway. And it's really uh, so, bright. Yeah.
1: Because it's, it's fighting the daytime. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't no, know I'm until so it gets darker. It's, it's, so yeah. in your brain, it's backwards.
0: <laughs> but but if, you, if, you, if you do have gauges, you, you'll be able to, uh, to tell from that as well. That's another indication. Um, all right. Continue on with the light theme why have lights never been connected to wiper usage? Anything beyond the quick pulse single swipe should be accompanied by lights on as, at le- as, as is the, uh, the, the law in some states. it's um, a good question. I, I don't know. I mean, it does seem logical that, you know, if you're going to have the wipers on, your lights should probably just come on automatically, don't you think?
1: Yeah, that's, they have that. That's, I think that's a law in California, where if your wipers are on, your headlights have to be on. So would that right, issue. but why not? Why not just make tie that them autom- automatic? I wonder yeah. what happens. Well, then I think you, what happens is you get into the intermittent issue. Like, it's, yeah. does it stay on? Did you just do that because you had a little bit of a little? Uh, you know, there's a, there's a little. Oh, bit of so fog. now your lights have
2: flipped on. It's for not, a few minutes. Now they're off yeah. again, and now they're on. And they're, yeah. do they stay on it's the, the
1: like, whole time because they you know you only you have you know it's early in the morning you have that sort of weirdness that's going on. I figured like you know what to be fair that should they should still just come on. I mean, headlights on during the day isn't hurting anybody.
2: <laughs> I know. <laughs> right. this, I mean, is it, it really the, a harm if your headlights are on? I don't think so. No. <laughs> I, you know,
0: there uh, there are some people out there who you know find themselves deeply offended by other people driving with their headlights on during the day. <laughs> I have generally done it. You know, for much of my life. Yeah. Uh, but you know, uh, uh, some people hate it. Uh, I, I I have no idea why. You know, it's never it's never bothered me if somebody else has got their lights on during the day. Um, you know, with with my car, you know, my Miata, I I generally don't turn the lights on during the day. You know, because they're pop ups. But uh, with other cars, I I often do. So
1: that's such um, a why would they be? Because now I make modern cars all have running headlight, running daylight. Yeah, you know, the headlights are on all the right. time. So now I'm just I'm like, why are they so angry? <laughs> I don't know. Hey, <laughs> hey, 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 hey. It's daytime. Stop
0: I, that. <laughs> I know. I've, I've I've seen complaints from people. And it's like, I don't want daytime running lights on my car. How do I disable these? You know, how do I kill I mean, why
2: these? Why would you? So? Dis- well, I don't understand the wanting when, to disable something that's essentially is inside, a safety, safety feature. You, you can't even I don't see want them. these damn seatbelts. Get rid of these things. Yeah. How do I unbolt these? You know?
1: <laughs> how dare you? How dare you impose your lights on <laughs> philosophy?
0: On All right. One last one from Sean. Um, why do SUVs get to tent rear windows? Uh, is the, the true mark of a crossover versus a wagon? <laughs> I legally tinted my TSX wagon in uh, Connecticut, and the maximum tint on any door was minuscule. Uh, had my vehicle been lifted two inches at the factory, like a Subaru, it would not have been. Uh, it would not have been a car in the eyes of the huh. law, and I would have had the tint I would have. I could have tinted the rear windows more dark. If it's, uh, for police safety, then why not larger, higher vehicles with more places to hide things, be allowed (laughs) more tint. Uh, this has puzzled me for years.
2: Why? I don't have any, why? I don't know. Who do we ask that? Now I want to know. uh, Would that be an engineer question to ask? Would that be a designer question to ask? Who's in charge of that?
0: I think it's actually a legal question. Um,
2: yeah, so
0: do we because, need a policeman? Well, uh, because, yeah, I mean, actually. <laughs> I you know need what? an I will, answer to
2: this one now. I'm curious. I, I, will,
0: I will check with, with a couple of people uh, that I know uh, with knowledge of the law. But my, my guess is that, you know, SUVs are generally classified as light trucks, um, which at least the way the law has, you know, the, the, the safety regulations, you know, were set up. You know, before everybody was driving SUVs, you know, light trucks were considered more commercial vehicles. Um, you know, more like delivery vans and, and things like that that often don't even have any windows on the side and in many cases on the back. And so, you know, tinting the windows wa- you know darker for those vehicles was not an issue. Um, whereas, you know, cars, you know, anything that's classified as a car, um, you know, has a, a lower limit on the, the window tinting. I th- I think it's just because they're classed as trucks and trucks, you know, are allowed to do that. But I will I will dig into that one some more. Uh, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that one, Robbie?
1: The only thing I know is that in California you can't tint your side windows. The windows like for the the driver and the the front passenger because right. the police can't see into the vehicle as they walk up to it. Right, them. but so, what about the other windows? I've no idea. I'm not even right. sure what what the, what the I, I just know those windows. I think you could just do whatever you want with the back windows. You can just, you know, spray paint them black as far as I know. But
2: uh I'm Yeah, I'm sitting here texting the only two police officers I know like, "Hey dude, do you know why?" So I'm trying to see <laughs> if I can get an answer this very minute.
1: <laughs> it's such a and I think because it's such a weird because it's you can do it on this but not this. I don't think a police officer is going to pull you over for like well, on but this like car it is. This, this. Yeah, yeah I, don't I know, can't who see knows. them pulling
2: you over unless it was like your windows are practically tinted black or something. You know, yeah. so they're. But I just. And, and know, a, a lot curious. of SUVs,
0: you know, everything from the the rear doors back around usually is like really
1: dark tinted. Yeah. And they're are hard to see through. It's to keep the you know people from staring at your children. I don't know. <laughs> don't look at my kids. You can look at them if they were in a sedan, but not in this car. <laughs>
0: all right well that's all we've got for this week um and uh thank you everybody for continuing to listen and uh if you listen to it this week uh, you know happy holidays whatever whatever holidays you happen to celebrate oh that's uh, right christmas and- this week Festivus,
1: right. it's Festivus this week
0: too. Festivus for the Fest rest of us. For the rest of us yeah. the rest I do Christmas, of us. Or, so I'm going
2: to say Merry Christmas to all the or, Christmas people. Know,
0: <laughs> Happy Krampus Day, or Krampus, uh, whatever, whatever, whatever uh, floats your boat. Uh, enjoy everybody, and we'll talk to you next time.
1: Bye guys. Bye.